The opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Return the Jewels. Also, there's explicit language. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 24 of Return the Jewels. Um, so this was a weird one. Uh, you know, I've been kind of like wondering about the direction of this podcast and what it is. Not that I'm going to stop it, um, you know, but, you know, we decided that after episode 25, we're going to take a break for a bit uh, to redesign everything. I want to reformat really how we do this thing um, because I feel like the idea itself or like the brand or whatever um, lends itself to a bigger and more nuanced discussion than we've been having here. And perhaps I'm doing a disservice to what the idea itself was originally. And, um, you know, I kind of talk about it on this, uh, in this interview. Um, it was a whimsical recording because, you know, we got this one in the next week. And then we're taking that break for a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a whimsical recording. And, you know, I can always count on one of my really good friends, uh, Donish McBool. He was on an earlier episode in season one. Um, and, you know, we FaceTime all the time. So we just figured, why not just put one of these conversations on wax? Um, I know it's not really wax, it's Zoom. But uh, so we did that. And, you know, it, it got really kind of cryptic and very obscure. It's just a long interview conversation that's just couched in obscurity and axioms and maybe it's incoherent. I don't know. Hopefully you can get some value out of it. Hopefully. Um, but you know, uh, I, <clears throat> I don't want to detract from, uh, I, I I don't want to talk it down and detract because I do think we touched on a lot of um, important things. So, you know, I had my friend Donish McBool on. He's a comedian. He's an actor. He was in, um, he was on that show Rami. He uh, has got his own podcast. He's going to, he's bringing back, he's going to redesign it. It's called the DMAC Hour. Uh, he's D, uh, at DMAC1 on um, social media and everything. You know, he's get you can see his stand-up clips and everything. He's really good. Um, and, you know, young dude, he's my friend. We talk a lot about this shit. And uh, it's just a really weird episode. I, I really don't know what to say in this intro. We talked about, like, narrative crafting, confidence, ego, uh, purpose. Uh, I don't know, just... Which, uh, I, I don't know. Donish McBull, episode 24. Enjoy. All right. And so here we got Donish McBull. Um, yeah, there he is. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. So What's up, man? We're coming to you from the new virtual studio, which is <laughs> actually just two remote locations that are completely separate. And Donish is walking <laughs> through a door. So. <laughs> <laughs> really it's the exact same setup we've had 
for now the last 23 episodes. Uh, we had Donish on, I guess, of four or five, six, maybe nine. Um, I could be looking at the YouTube channel right now and tell you exactly what episode you were on. But nah, I really can't remember off the top of my head. It was a fun one. So Nice. Yeah, what was it? It was something about confidence. Confidence is key. Yeah, I remember it being a fun talk. For yeah. Sure. Can't remember. I like, think it's for a day. It was then a, somebody hit me up about it too. What about after watching the uh, after watching the episode? Yeah, they were just like, "Yo, I enjoyed this talk," which I thought was really cool because I know you mentioned it's like, "Oh, not even that many people watch," but I guess yeah. the people that are watching are pretty engaged. Yo, it must have been one of my cousins or something. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it was. It wasn't a brown guy, so I don't think so. (laughs) What? Yeah, it wasn't a brown guy. Okay. Well, that is um that's surprising to know because Yeah, um, it was boy, the view count on this is bad. I just like Well, whatever I think it gets out. Whoever's watching it obviously is engaged. If if yeah, if 10% wonder, of your audience is reaching out to the guest. <laughs> 10% is generous. That's, <laughs> One that's person reached out to you, that's at least 50% of our audience. <laughs> if 50% of your audience is that engaged, you know. Maybe it was my mom. It must have been my mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's, yeah, the view. Like, sometimes I wonder if this whole thing is just an exercise in delusion, you know? we What was this? We started this podcast a few months ago and the height of the pandemic, still in the pandemic. No views, no real marketing campaign or anything. I mean, personally, I guess I get catharsis out of these conversations. They do yeah, make me sure. think. So I can assume that they make other people think. You know, well, I actually read a cool stat the other day about Twitch. Yeah, and it probably uh, relates to podcasting a little bit. But if you have like over eleven viewers on Twitch, you're in the top three percent. Wow. Yeah, you would think that. You know, you yeah, there's something be. like that with the podcast. It's like if you have over a hundred subscribers, you're top ten percent already. Yeah, so you know, sometimes we beat ourselves up over the numbers because I think there's a also big... though. I feel like that's a statistic that network executives try to use the lowball <laughs> new acquisitions to coming on, being like, "Hey, you're part of the ten for top ten percent." So it's just like perspective work to make you. Well, not lowball. I think it would it would only make you raise your value if you're a guy that's on the fringe or a girl that's on the fringe or just a person on the fringe of this top ten. Then you're like, yo, I have a top ten percent podcast. I understand it's going to keep growing, right? But, so you know, I I wonder though, like, is that va- like what is that value, right? Like, if I if I'm chasing likes, if I'm chasing views. You know, a hundred views can give me a huge hit of dopamine, but then I have the huge lack of dopamine from realizing that a hundred views isn't a thousand views, and then a thousand views isn't a hundred thousand views, and so forth. 
So like that whole thing is that an exercise in frustration, like how this whole podcast is an exercise in delusion. You know? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, it's it's obviously a rat race. You know, you always want to move up, 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 up. But to that's, what end? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of like life in America almost, you know? So you find your balance within that because otherwise you're right. You would never stop. But I think it's just like, good information to provide to people to let them know hey you're not as far off from the top as you would think right like if you have a small audience that's actually a lot more than what most creators have and i think as a creator you forget that you know and it's easy to forget that because most of your other friends are creators and they have bigger audiences than you or smaller you know they're just very no, all my seeing, friends have bigger audiences than me. <laughs> That's yeah, like they're yeah, all creators. Case, bigger audiences than you. And uh, honestly, it's pretty much most of my friends have bigger yeah. audience than me, you know? So, and then hey. I see ones with the smaller audience too. And, you know, it gives me perspective when you see somebody with a smaller audience that you're like, well, I value this person more than somebody that has a bigger audience than me, you yeah. know? I mean, I just, I, I've been thinking a lot, like I think a lot about like value, right? And the value of this whole thing, you know, and like it's everything, this whole thing started out, right? Because, okay, you're a comedian. We hang out all the time. I'm not a comedian. We, uh, I'm, I, I'm friends with a lot of comedians, right? And there's that whole thing. And, you know, I say it all the time when we talk, it's like, sure, you're in a, you're in a profession where, you are you naturally have some sort of impulse to you know share your opinion with strangers so if you have that impulse don't you have a responsibility to have an opinion worth sharing right like what makes you worth listening to you know and me or i like probably most other people you know feel like yeah well you know the there's some my opinion doesn't it doesn't really matter outside of me the person unless i'm really trying to affect some sort of change right like there's no impulse really to have my opinion or myself be heard because i know that because i'm comfortable in conversations where i'm challenged on something in like a competitive way and i'm just okay with being like oh yeah you're right sure you're right like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, but I started this podcast and we're having these. So it's like, I'm thinking about, you know, when starting the podcast, the idea behind it was if they're I'm thinking of 20, 21 year old love that's in Mississippi in some, in, in this tiny college, uh, um, you know, in a very white space and uh, not knowledgeable about, you know, a lot of things but still an observing person. And then, you know, it's, it's just like, what tools could I give that person? And what tools can I extract out of the guests who happen to be my friends who are doing very different things and things that are like, um, a lot of times not, don't have a guidebook for. Yeah. So that was kind of the whole thought process of this of doing this whole thing. And so it's like, that's why, you know, I'm getting a lot of comedians on 
because and I, I swear I'm going to get to the point. I swear I'm going to get to the point. I, you know, I bring a lot of comedians on because the thing is that, you know, comedians and we talk about this all the time. The whole thing is you have to share your opinion. You're a pioneer. You develop your own personality and character. That's why it's a lot of times it's hard for comedians to be method actors or, or things like that because they can't uh, get themselves outside of their personal brand. You know what I mean? Like not even maybe not on a personal skill level, but on how you're perceived level. So that's why I like to bring on a lot of comedians on this show, because you can just think about like, like what is the impetus for doing the things they do? Because everyone's got a different strategy to get to, I don't know, some nebulous goal, you know, whether it's the X amount of likes or maybe more likes than that or X amount of credits or just some sort of cultural relevance or a hyper-localized community relevance or whatever, you know? And then, so it's like, you know, you think it's like, to what end do chasing the likes and all this operate? And now I'm going to get to my point, I promise. It, to what end do chasing these likes operate when you have such a strong opinion and point of view that you may believe in earnest is worth sharing with people and with strangers and not even not even it being attached to your face and name but that this opinion this take this uh, specific observation about a thing needs to be put out into the ether so that it can go into the free marketplace of ideas right so now here's the point as a comedian Right, as somebody who's doing something that no one else in your family has done, how do you know or how do you make a decision between my goal is getting the most eyeballs or my goal is turning the most hearts? Because the two are often mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's a few things. Well, one thing that's interesting that you said is, you know, where it's a question of why, right? But usually both sides of the why, like both sides you presented me with, Mm -hmm. still have a bunch of ego involved. Okay. Right? And that's usually what it comes down to. It's like, I think that if you're somebody that really has no ego and you have the best like thoughts in the world, I don't, I don't know if you would race them to get them out there to the rest of the world. I don't think I you think, would either. Yeah, I think you would be comfortable just like dying in your own crib spreading that thought to the few people who were willing to receive it and kind of just moving on this like whole like uh you know my ideas have to be as grandiose as they are presented you know that seems to be just attached to just ego straight up whether you're trying to be the one presenting it or whether you're just trying to get the message out there both of them just come from the same place to me you know so I, 
like when you're asking these type of questions, it's like, I think you end up taking the route, like what are you going to do, turn hearts or, or just get eyeballs? You end up kind of taking the route that is best suited for what you have, you know, like, and you probably want to do the opposite thing, you know? So, you know, somebody that like Kevin Hart, he's probably somebody who's just getting the most eyeballs, but in the media, and, and you see through his comedy, what he's trying to do is change hearts, you know, yeah. like through, through running and through now talking about his relationship stuff and always just being mad vulnerable. Like he's trying to like change lives, right? But really, he's like more of a popcorn comedian than a, a comedian that is, you but, know, going to change your whole scope. But maybe he's not. Maybe he's able to do both because for a lot of people, he does do both. Right. Because, right. like, what, you know, when I think about that kind of example, you know, I'm thinking, like, sure, he can do both. But is it that he saw the metrics for one and realized that? that's a more desirable option to pursue on a personal level, you know, and, and possibly weighed the pros and cons of how he was perceived if that was the issue, you know, because yeah, sure. There's ego involved, but it, and it, it's a, how you're the ego of how you're perceived right in the community or like Uh, the ego of like how you're perceived in a community right uh, yeah <laughs> there's also an audio podcast too so <laughs> but you can watch the video on our youtube <laughs> you want to know why i'm laughing <laughs> um no anyways okay before before that whole conversation gets obscure you know really really i just okay how do we crystallize this What goes into the decision-making, right? The decision-making for, you know, I want to be a comedian. Okay, let me let me pretend like I'm 18-year-old you or something or whatever, 19, I don't know. Uh, I want to be a comedian. Yeah. So do I, what do I do naturally? like being anything i would look up any sort of case examples other people that do it look up their biographies what they did and how they did right the conclusion i come to is get on stage as much as i can right then there's a whole politics of how do i get on stage well oh shit there's, there's these communities you've got to be in different cliques you got to know different people that have different venues you could do it on your own and start a show or you know all those kind of things there's a whole different world of politics comes in and then on top of that, there's a new world of politics where it's like different cliques and how different cliques are perceived and who's cool, who's not. And so therefore, who's uh, the different code for it when you get older is who's uh, easy to work with and or who's likable and who's difficult to work with. Yeah. And, and people that can be difficult to work with, we can couch that in our we can internally couch that in our biases and we'll just say that they're difficult to work with. But it's essentially the same kind of thing. But like all of those specifications and modifications are just that modifications and specifications on the initial crux of, you know, I want to be a comedian, 
right? So what drives that 18-year-old you to be to say that I want to be a comedian or whatever, right? And with conviction pursue that. And at what point does all the extra politics and stuff wash away that original conviction where it's like, what was that for anyways? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think you, a few things happen on your journey with comedy, as I'm sure is your journey with probably basically everything, you know? Uh, One, the closer you get to the goal, that you originally had intended, the further you realize the goal is. What do you mean? But you're just so happy to be in the position that you're at, at the moment, that you're like, you know what? This is fucking great. You know? Like, when I started comedy, I think I've told you this. I thought I was going to be selling out theaters in seven years. Right? And seven years later... I'm nowhere near to selling out theaters. However, I never thought I would be this funny. So I'm just so thankful. However, I do see the amount of work that's ahead of me. Right? So goals kind of change as information comes in. As it should. And it's tough to apply a view filled with so much ignorance, even though ignorance is bliss. Right. It's tough to it's tough to give that view too much attention when you have all this new information about the game. You know, and so, you know, there's a few ways to think about this. Yeah, it's like Ben and Jerry's always thinks about like, oh, be the change that you want to see. You know, so that's kind of how they even got into the ice cream business, which is hilarious that, you know, I think about them often when it when, it comes to like shit like this, but I kind of like how they did ice cream, bro. You know, and there's that. But then, you know, there's the other token of like, yo, you have to adapt and survive. So sometimes you get into a thing and you have one kind of aspiration for it, but it accepts you in a different way. And if you don't kind of take that road or figure it out do a reset or whatever you know i i don't i don't i guess i've been able to see my vision out pretty clearly i've never really had to alter it too much from what i anticipated it being um and that's been through like good mentorship Mm -hmm. you know that's really helped to just stay on the vision Otherwise, yeah, I think a lot of young artists like get lost, you know, and then they just start like chasing money or chasing followers or like trying to get a job, you know, and it's like you never got into any of those things to begin with. So, you know, I kind of like came to a conclusion a while ago of like, oh, I'd rather just deliver groceries for $600 a week than write for somebody for four grand a week, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of a dumb conclusion for a lot of people. 
you know, and I wouldn't expect a lot of people to make that conclusion for themselves, right? So, you know, it, it goes to show you it's like not as many people get into stand up for like, oh, I want to be a stand up for the rest of my life. And that's okay. And I'm sure not everybody gets into electrical engineering to be like, yo, I want to be an electrical. Not everybody is just so finite about yeah. all their decisions. So it's like some people are willing to just go other places, you know? Only to sit the deal in absolutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, bro. Yo, that's a great, uh, hilarious no, man. quote. But yeah, know? yeah, like, you know, yeah. So that's, that's one thing to really, you know, really think about you know it's like what the point what is the point of doing what you're doing see because then so here's something i wonder about right like uh you ever seen that show extras with ricky gervais i've seen i've seen a few episodes i I was never able to can i spoil the general arc for you and yeah 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 my two cousins listening so basically uh, he, he's an extra and then he gets a show off and then he basically plays a character that has a catchphrase and uh, he's, supposed, he's like a brilliant writer but he plays a character with a catchphrase and that's all he's known for you know so like and, and so is it, you know you see that oh maybe he feels unfulfilled and that he got the validation that he wanted or he, he got the validation that he really was seeking but it was not in the way that he imagined so, like, when you're telling a joke, let's say, let's say the punchline of your joke is like, boop, 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 right? Yeah. Every night, five times a night, you tell this joke, boop, boop, boop. I you hate that laughter. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. But you're the one who came up with the joke, and you got a lot of laughter, so you have to do it every night, right? You have to make it better, because that joke has got to go on late night, because boop, boop, boop destroys crowds. But five times a night, every night, all these different clubs, different crowds, maybe people seeing repeats, seeing you do boop, 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 and you do boop, 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 five times a night, every night. Do you really have that kind of enthusiasm for boop, boop, boop? You know it's a killer. You know it's a killer in your repertoire. Where's the room to grow, right? If you're like, like if you got this killer golden goose, that you are just not emotionally invested in. Can you really let it go? Can you let yeah, go? Yeah. Boop, boop? Personally, I've never, I've never, I have had a boop, boop, boop. You know, and I, it's, I still have one that I don't do. I haven't done in years, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I ever would do it anymore because i think i've just kind of grown out of it in the beginning you know you hope to have a boop 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 what if like, <laughs> what if what if you catch fire with boop 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 you know now you're doing boop 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 for years and you're selling out theaters because you're the boop 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 guy but then you know you're at you're at a small venue in brooklyn uh some show that's star packed and it's industry night whatever and you do boop 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 and then there's a couple of comedians outside you know that uh are talking amongst themselves like yo is donish still doing boop 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 
that yeah yo i mean and, and it's like so then how would you feel about that right boop 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 pays for your house and and feeds your kids but you've lost that sort of perhaps validity you sought that fueled you maybe earlier in your career yeah i mean um, bro it's 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 a tough you're asking a tough question and I think a lot of comics go through this. And then some comics stay broke until they find their thing that works for them morally and um, just like financially as well. So this is a thing that a lot of comedians go through. And then some comedians just like, bro, there's comedians making a million dollars that don't co-sign what they're doing. Yeah. And they've del- they're delusional about yeah my shit is just dope or that dope you know so So that's yeah that's where the disconnect lies for me right right is it delusion or is it willful strategy right because it's just marketing yeah because they look at other people they they look at the people that are broke like you're a fucking idiot (laughs) you know like you you could easily go make this money and that's the other thing, man, is one thing can't exist without the whole diaspora of the whole thing, right? So, you know, your shit can't even be deemed dope and futuristic and, like, the next wave unless all of that other stuff exists of, like, people making millions of dollars on shit that they don't co-sign and... Or, or shit they don't really believe in, you know, boop, boop, boops. And like uh, young comedians who are hacks and old comedians who are great, but just never popped off. Like all of that needs to exist in, uh, in order for your shit to exist the way it does, right? Because this whole thing is like, there's no this is the best, this is the worst. It's all like perspective gained by watching everything else. So you're like, oh, I've watched 10 specials. Now I kind of got an idea of what stand-up comedy even is. So you have to watch like the thing in order to even get a perspective on the thing, you know? Otherwise, it's you're having a very limited point of view, you know, in terms of trying to create great comedy. So, I mean, that's kind of how I view it, at least. And and so I'm always thankful for people who are kind of in it, making a bunch of money and not, and doing a bunch of boop, boop, boop shit, because it's like, oh, you know, you can really come in here and expose them with the right work. And that's not possible unless they're doing that, you know? So... But a lot of times I feel like the the guys that boop boop booped a decade ago developed this whole different perception of the world and they have to hold on to the influence and relevance that they received from the boop boop boop. And so the way that manifests Yeah, that is true. Using a younger generation that's figuring out boop, beep, boop, you know, the new boop, boop, boop 2.0, right? 
because it's like at a certain point, you know, when you grow old and fearful, you stop thinking. Risk averseness clouds all your decision making. You know, that's why it's like you see the people that in all these Hollywood stories, the protagonists are always in their early 20s. You know, why is that? Even the historically accurate ones. Why is it that all of our, you know, all these civil rights figures, everyone's in their early 20s? Because as you get older, you get more risk averse, but that also reflects in your thinking. You know, oh man, when I wasn't, when I was taking risks and I was younger, I came up with boop, 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 and boop, boop, boop changed the world. But now, you know, now they need me to do it again. Do they need you to do it again? But how am I going to do it again? Well, I saw this kid in this uh, Brooklyn venue, and I see that he might be coming up with a boop, boop, boop. So, you know, I'm going to bring him under my wing and brain rape him. You know, and I you see that a lot. And like. Yeah, you see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, um, you know, once once you're because, man, if you're making a million dollars off of comedy, you're making a million dollars off your mouth mm-hmm. and you're going to do anything you can to stay there, bro. It's a good life to be able to make a million dollars off your mouth, bro. A lot of people got to work really hard to make that type of money. Yeah. They got to fucking. So you're making it off your mouth and 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 yeah, you've cultivated this thing over years but you'll do anything to to keep it and as they should and you know as a young comedian you get a little bit of exposure to the audience and then you got to move on you know one of the uh best things i advice pieces i ever got was from a very big comic who's a little bit younger than me. And he said, bro, the best thing you could do, bro, is just don't worry about, yo, I want to open for this guy. Yo, I want to, no, focus on what Donish can do. Focus on what you can do for yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that, you know? So, And a lot of people get caught up. And I, I've gotten caught up, bro. You know, I've been opening for from Owen Akash for a long time, and those guys are the homies. And uh, you still get caught up in other people's yeah. stuff rather than focusing on your stuff, even when they're the homies. So you just have to kind of like reset and readjust and kind of just remind yourself who's who's the star of your show, you know? So... When you do that, it's 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 a helpful reminder to just take your shit the most serious, uh, you know, and and you should be taking everything seriously, but you just gotta put your things above everybody else, you know. So yeah, yeah, but then you know, you let doubt seep in. You see people who are good at putting a package together by package i mean outward presentation and you assume you assume that those people know what's good and the tricky thing about doubt is it allows you to put your boundaries down and let people tell you what they think is best but it's really coming from just a broken just as broken a filter as your own you know 
Yeah, so, well, you also have to like figure shit out like that, bro. You have to think like, how many times has this person asked me a question versus how many times have I asked them a question, right? Like, who's seeking what from who, right? You have to kind of break down the relationship of like, what am I seeking in this relationship? What are they seeking in this relationship? And sometimes it's like, they, it's clear they're seeking knowledge from you and you're seeking to just expand your audience, right? That stuff is clear sometimes. So it's like, okay, like, you know, your shit is tight. You know, your shit is dope. So, okay, great. And that's great, man. A lot of people have great, tight, good shit. Good for you. What are you going to go do with that? How are you going to go package it for yourself so you could uh, make money and and do well for yourself? You know? So that's that's more about what the goal should be. That's more of like what, what we got to start focusing on rather than, oh, this guy's, you know, he's getting ahead and I'm still here. Okay, great. You know, what are they doing? And then just go do that because you have all the skills or are you too lazy? Do they have a thing that they can move more than you? Like, what is it? What, you just got to break it down and then you got to use it, you know? Yeah, that's what I think it is. It's them having them being able to move something better than you, because I feel like things on the idea level are just that, you know, the idea <laughs> level is where everyone wants to live, right? Everyone yeah, it's hard wants to, to live bro. on the idea level, but they only actually live on the rhetorical level. Like, you yeah, know. but then you a Winklevoss twin, you know. Like Zuckerberg gonna come in and he just gonna work, you know. And, and you might be the idea guy, but that don't don't discredit Zuckerberg along the way because Zuckerberg gonna go be the star, you know. Like you will think you you a you a person that came up with the idea. You an idea guy, and that's cool too, right? But it's like you gotta decide, yo, this is where I'm lacking, you know, and this is what I gotta pick up. Hold on, my door is going to creak right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like moving around. This is hilarious. Um, sneaking in to your house? Yeah, like, uh, I just got the first dose of the vaccine today. So I was like knocked out all day. And although I feel fine, I was just like pretty tired. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to just get going again. But um, you know, like, okay, here's what I meant. People want to live in the idea realm, not not here's an idea for a project, right? And people exit. No, people want to live in the idea realm, but they actually live in the rhetorical realm, right? You see the real idea guys, like people like people that in conversation talk about ideas. There's people in conversation that talk about ideas. There's people in conversation that talk about logistics. And then there's people in conversations that talk about people. You always want to surround yourself with the people that talk about ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. The idea people don't live and die by the idea, right? They're factories of idea because it comes from how they perceive. But yeah. so everyone wants to live in, in, the, in the idea realm. In the ideal world, like, like people want to be able to have these engaging conversations. We put such a premium on it, right? 
like what this show maybe pretends to be. Oh, this is smart talk. Oh, and it's a, it's a virtual hangout. So maybe that's desirable to some sort of captive audience. Oh, look uh, on MSNBC. See how they're using big words and they got suits and they're talking about politics. These are things I can't understand. So I'm going to look for my champion, right? So people like to look for their rhetorical champion. And then they like to think to themselves that they live in the world of ideas, the idea worlds. And then these rhetorical champions, you know, like the Ben Shapiro guy or all of these, you know, whoever, who just basically do what I'm doing now. They just get on a microphone and speak and so doubt and all of that. But people look at them as champions because they can verbally filibuster anything. And it's just, you're going to confuse that. It's like, oh, I'm going to take this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go all in on any sort of logical fallacies because this is an idea guy when really it's just a rhetorical a guy that's using all sorts of rhetorical tricks, right? Yeah, this. So, I mean, it, it it reminds me of this quote. What you're saying is, you know, which I, uh, I guess I coined. Uzer told me I coined it, and he's been. It reminds me of this quote I made. But yeah, I guess I Just guess say I the coined thing. it. Uzer tells me I coined <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Hilarious way to enter this, right? <laughs> I don't know if I created, but this was a thought of mine once, and Uzzer has created a quote for me now, right? Which is, this is also, this is another great, see, there's a difference between making the quote yourself and then having a mentor that could be like, that's a fucking quote. And then take that and give it to tell people, oh, this guy came up with, like, I never had to say this. And now I get so comfortable with him spreading this, that I'm like, okay, maybe I'll start. Cause you, you have, you don't want to have too much ego. You don't want to be like, yo, I came up with this quote, you know, who says just anybody who's just say the saying. And the thing is about people like people when, you know, you're in your thirties. Yeah. But it's something you say more than once. So you feel like weird saying it without like giving the pretense, Hey, this is something that I like thought about, you know what I mean? I, don't... I mean, bro, but like, okay, before we, before I, we get the quote, like, wow, like we're here's building the thing. up this quote. This right, is hilarious. I know. Well, I mean, you're the one who said it reminds me of this quote that I guess I thought of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, no. So but before we get, <laughs> it is hilarious, <laughs> right? Before we get there, like, just think for a second, right? People in our in your thirties and above or older, you know. You notice when you're having conversations with people, people do say the same things over and over. They got different coded language that they use, different crutches. You know, like I say things like language is precision all the fucking time. Right. That's the whole thing. I'm like, okay, I can I need to look at these different terms that people use to do things. Like people are weaponizing language out here. People have whole think tanks developed into using very specific coded language to marginalize communities and all shit. My whole fucking thing is how do I take those specific coded words and flip them, right? Like, uh, like just be like, oh, well, well, doesn't this actually mean this? Well, using this example, wouldn't you fit into the definition of this? Because yeah, it's like, you, you which know, you can do with literally everything now. Which you can do with literally everything. So yeah, which is, this is part of the problem, right? 
living in so, the rhetorical world versus the idea world right now yeah. here's what i want to think here's what here's what it is right like how do you view a conversation right how do you view a, a debate a, a, a political a debate of ideas is it a winning or losing thing do you put the yeah. winning losing dichotomy on it yeah or is it just Why? advancing the social or is it just advancing the social uh does scope? it need an agenda right like like does there have to be a manufactured clash between two ideas or can two ideas permute together and make a better idea or can there be alternative understandings of things why well, why is it that you have to win an argument or win a conversation and I i'm think talking people about like, you're well bro you're these these are idealistic because people are too agenda based yeah and people are too selfish to kind of apply a lot of these ideologies you know and it kind of it makes it tough to as a creator you're like how can i even coexist and that's where you have to just kind of create your own you know little coalition of different artists that kind of move in a similar way that you do and it takes i i think it takes years to get that crew assembled and for some people it's longer than others that's where the luck comes in do you find your crew that you can kind of build with early or late right um the 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 but yes i think about this shit all the time the quote i always try to say so what is, the quote? is everybody out here with no beliefs trying to have opinions right and i think it pretty much captures a lot of these people's aura nowadays you know they don't really believe in anything. They just see opportunity that they can get some type of social following or clout or whatever with just crafting a great opinion, uh, a opinion that's entertaining, an opinion that's informative or just like, you know, to, to a certain sect that they can appeal to. So it's become a whole bunch of just like, checkboxes you know rather than just free forming and thinking the way people probably did back in the day people with the least beliefs have the most opinions yeah yeah exactly Good. yeah so you know this is this is kind of the I, title yeah this is how i kind of sit in it <laughs> you hear that mother and, that's the title <laughs> <laughs> That that's how I think about it, and yeah, yeah, you know. no, that's like um, but it's, that's like a lot of people know, you see our age, you know. But but I I have surrounded myself with you know people that I like really love and who don't operate from that point necessarily. And so, you know, might operate it. Some people might operate from that point more than others. And I still think every relationship I have with everybody, it all relates back to ego, mm -hmm. you know, 
So I think everybody's trying to figure that out. But I think, you know, this crew that I've assembled is much more aware of that than the average person. That's how it feels, at least. So, you know, I, I, that's why I pursue the people that I'm around. It's like, I would like to continue down this journey of that, you know, but we all could be wrong and we all could be thinking that we're all building this crew together. And really we have the biggest egos of them all. So this is like, time will tell, bro, on everything. You know, it's probably the latter than the former, but yeah. you know, who knows, you know? We were gonna call ourselves the mafia clique, but then we called ourselves a junior mafia clique just to keep our egos in check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, time, time will tell whose intentions are true and not, you know? Yeah. So it's it, I wouldn't put too much pressure on us to to move so correctly along the way. It seems like we have we're trying, you know, to do the right things. So as long as we're trying. I mean I guess to relate this to the whole theme of this podcast, all this shit, right? Like we've we've kind of been talking in obscurity i guess for the whole however long we've been talking but to relate yeah, this it, you think it's been too obscure or you think that people are maybe gonna... maybe it's been too obscure i feel uh, like it's you been know too obscure. yeah i hope this isn't yeah. like the highest conversation of all time but i mean I... Well, well obscure in that in that like you and i want to say a lot of things we can't say and also there's people that um you know, do similar things that may be able to pull specific nuggets from this obscurity that may, you know, I guess that's art, right? How you, however you interpret things. And, you know, the goal of this whole podcast in general was to provide not necessarily tools, but more raw materials to create your tools for how you navigate. You know, if you're a young brown person, young first generation person, part of the marginalized community, whatever, like you're, you know, you got to see people that are older and having some sort of success or something doing the thing that you want to do, you know, because yeah. you if you can't see something, you can't do the thing. Right. Like, how do how is it that a lot of these big actors did theater in school, you know, went to polytechnic colleges, all of that, did a lot of training, took a lot of classes. Right. They saw it and those are just different instances in how they see things so that they could do the thing you know what i mean yeah so like you have to so like creating a boop 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 let's go back to the boop 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 yeah creating the boop 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 that could be the height of your most pioneer self right the most your most your bravest self that goes out into the world and does something so unique that that person came up with a boop 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 that fucked up the world but now that boop 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 was that person's 15 minutes so that person needs another 15 minutes or no is it an addiction is it a necessity really you know like like, what is the necessity at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like, what, what, what do you want more? The, the new ideas or the fame, you know? And like, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's, I mean, it's a tough answer, bro. Some people are going to want the fame more than the ideas, and some people are going to want the ideas more. Um, like, I see people doing the same joke that they've been doing for a decade all the time. But then in conversation, they're like, yeah, I just try to seek truth. And it's just like, but you're aggressively not growing. You know, so like, what, what is the discrepancy here? And how do we reconcile it? Yeah, I mean, bro, it's up. To, I think, I think this, what you're saying here is just up to the artist. It's like up yeah. to, yeah, you know, this is so discretionary on each artist, you know. Some people, again, bro, it's like some people's intentions are not as pure as others. And that's, I like, mean, I'm not making a value judgment on it at all. No, I'm but, asking and, you and that's, what you're, yeah. I think, I think the place that I come from, I try to live in a purity thing of stand up, right? But I've come to learn, like, bro, the people who do things a little bit differently than you don't judge them because like they, no, they don't have the same aspirations you have. Even if sometimes they say that they do out loud, they're saying that because that's just what you have to say. Right? So it's like you can't you can't put that on people, you know, your whole life view, your whole worldview, your like passion. You can't put that on others, even if they're saying that that's what they're about, because a lot of times it's not, man. And actions are like they speak so much louder than words. You know, you can tell if somebody is like about stand up for the rest of their life. Like you listen to one Daniel Simonson joke, like you're like, oh, this guy like loves stand up comedy. Right. So you listen to one Kevin Iso joke, you know, you're like, oh, this guy loves stand up yeah. comedy. You know, you listen to like a Bonnie McFarlane joke or like, you know, even a young girl like Natalie. It's like, oh, this person really cares about stand up Natalie Alcar. So it's like, you know, you could tell very quickly. And I just named four people and, and those are on three different levels of where they're at in their career, you know, so. You know, it just, it, yeah, it's, it's just not the same for for everybody, these goals. And it's tough when you come from this, like, you know, what you want to say is the right goal, you know? But that's the ego again, bro. It's like, who's to say that your goal is the right goal? It's like maybe getting a job and writing on a show is like the best move ever, you know, for that person specifically. And even maybe for everybody, who knows? Maybe we should all be just writing on shows, you know, like. So, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing the robots can't do right now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying like, we, that's, that's bad and fraud. <laughs> 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 two things that the robots couldn't replace in the apocalyptic future. <laughs> <laughs>
was <laughs> fraud and comedy writing. <laughs> I would say that that I mean, maybe the better comedy writing of that joke would be comedy writing and fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that's what I believe, bro. Is yeah, you know, and I, I've kind of like calmed down on, yeah, hating, yeah. you know, like uh, yeah, I I don't want to hate on different acts anymore. I'm done. Yeah, that's always been hating on acts is yeah. To me, I've never really believed in it. I've believed on hating on uh, people for sure. Although yeah. I love that. Sure. <laughs> no, but no, but like not hating on acts, of course not, because it's like, you know, I get it, like that's the thing you want to do, but it's just, it's when, it's when there's a disconnect between when you have the curtains pulled back, that conversation and the act itself. And the disconnect is that, you know, that, Yo, you're still trying to sell the act uh, behind the curtain as if it's not an act. It's like, bro, we we know it's an act. That's why it works. But it's like, you know, a, like afterwards, there's there's always that disconnect. That's what that's what I think the hating comes from. Not like hating on the act. That's just dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and just hating on people's choices and their the, the way they navigate. I don't care, man. I yeah. I want everybody to do whatever the fuck they think are opportunities or whatever. Go after it, you know. So it, it's that that has helped me calm down my, you know, just any any kind of resentment I have. It's kind of open up the more of the love scope of comedy. And that's kind of where I live at. And that's been much more beautiful than the opposite, you know? So. Yeah. 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 Living in the uh, world of ideas and not the world. Of yeah. The I don't have time to think about. You and then anytime, anytime I do think about people. I just think about how much like I fucked. I just think about the people I really fucked with. And yeah. I just think about how much, you know, I stopped thinking about the people I felt in competition with. I stopped thinking about them yeah. not just negatively, just overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, I can't I can't tell you how little I've thought of certain people that I used to think about all the time. It's I used like, to oh, I used to have all these like introspective tools. I used to do this like um, do this thought experiment every year or so where I think back on like uh, what month I'm in right now, right? And I think back the last year this month, two years ago this month, and three years ago this month. And I would think back, what was the big pressing anxiety thing on my head at that time, right? What was my most salient issue? And I like, like, I try to do this thought exercise maybe once a year, thing like that. You know, it helps me because it's like, yo, those things were never important that were the yeah. important at the time. And then it also helps me 
create this other, I have this other tool, introspective tool. Now, hopefully, maybe this might help my two cousins that are watching. But this other introspective mm -hmm. tool where I'm never going to let that joke go, by the way, uh, th where, um, you know, if you're going through a moment of extreme joy or pain or whatever, you know, you try to really observe that moment. And I think I might have talked to you about this before, probably on this podcast. You observe that moment, right? You observe the smell. You observe the sights around you. You observe what you're tasting. You observe what you're listening to at the time. Certain music. You maybe you repeat. What I do is I like I repeat a certain song over and over and over and over, so that it codes whatever emotion I'm feeling at that time into that song, so that I create for myself a nostalgic trigger. You know, so it's like let's say I go. Through, wow, you do that purposely. Yeah, I've been doing that since like. I think I've been doing that unconsciously. I've been doing that since law school on purpose, and which was like in 2009. And I've been doing that uh, just like, like, oh, if I'm going through something, because at that point in time, my life was radically changing, you know, constantly. So it was just like, if I'm going through something, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to listen to this song over and over and over. And right now, you know, uh, I, I don't have running water. And I have to remember this feeling. And I feel very vulnerable. And, and, powerless but i have to remember this feeling because i'm not going to always be this way so i'm going to listen to this song over and over and over i'm going to eat this food over and over and over so that five years down the line when i got my shit together and i can't even remember what it was like to feel powerless like this i can eat that food those ravio the the those spaghettios that i got from the dollar store i can eat those and i'll remember you know and then that will refresh my perspective, you know, because I need to always be reminded what I'm doing. Yeah. Because otherwise I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've mm. always been playing songs like that. Just subconsciously, like. I would just do it, you know, mm -hmm. but. They do, you know, if I play Mask Off, I think of my first tour. Yeah. Which was, like, very special to me. And, yeah, just, like, I could think of straight up the road, you know, mm -hmm. that I was on when I'm playing. And the emotion that I felt. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to have smell, that experience. Smell is maybe a better trigger than music. But same kind of thing. Right, oh, wow. code in a different spell. Cook a certain thing, eat a certain food. You smell a certain thing. You know, light a certain candle during that time. Create nostalgic triggers. Right, you know you're going through an intense thing. And one thing that I noticed that that did for me was that it helped me process a lot of things because it was just like, yo, these are all temporary things i've got these two introspective tools that i use where i think back to what was the most salient issue and it makes me realize that it wasn't really that important and then two i also have these nostalgic triggers so that i can literally live like a four-dimensional being and access my past you know what i mean to gain perspective for my future and so it's like you know i think about shit like that and it's like these are like little introspective tools that you know 
that you can use, help you form opinions and that kind of things. Because, you know, everyone's perception changes as you grow. And you always want to deny it, but like risk averseness fucks your shit up. Risk averseness is the riskiest thing ever. Like, you know, don't take oh. the risk of being risk averse because then you'll risk your ambitions. So funny, man. My, you know, my boy went through something tragic this week, right? Damn. Long time, long time homie. And, you know, it was a death and it kind of affected everybody. It's just really funny. Not funny, but it was really eye-opening hearing him talk because I went to go see him last night. And the things, because he's such an accepting person. You know, and everybody always wanted to be like him. We're talking like a guy that became a doctor at 27, but also was the, one of the coolest kids in his high school as a brown kid that didn't have many brown kids. Like was this awesome breakdancing kid, got, you know, like all the girls liked him, was a good looking yeah. kid, but also just sacrificed all that, became a doctor for his family and did it. Like had the brain to do it too, right? So. You know, he's naturally just received like a lot of hype his whole life, right? And you see how the hype just kind of like bothers him now, you know? Cause he's he's like, man, like and honestly, honestly, it makes him even fucking cooler to me, you know, because it's like it's like, bro, like that shit that that stroking the ego thing, it's so it's so whack because yeah. like, you know, people stroke your ego, but it's not for the reasons that you think that it is for, you know, it is, it is rarely as genuine as it seems. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, that's why that, and, and he just like become kind of allergic to this whole thing. And it was so interesting because here's a guy that only got that his first 20 some years of his life, 30 plus years of his life. Right. So, I, yeah, I was like, man, you know, people really do grow and change and kind of what they've, their value systems change and they evolve. Like I felt like he had evolved you know of yeah. like I, I don't even like i don't really want to fuck with people that live on this ego stroking world because it's there's i mean egos about if you think things. about ego right ego like that's literally the easiest hackable exploit in people Stroking, yeah you know hackable exploit all the way you know, how do I get to this person? Tell them they're smart. How do I radicalize a whole population in rural America? Well, I tell them I love them and I tell them they're smart. You know, that's all. That's all it takes. Got to stroke the ego. 
especially if the ego is under attack. You just stroke it. And then Yeah, it, it was really bro, it kinda impacted me way beyond you know, I'm even surprised I'm able to talk about it twenty four hours later and I think I'm not putting it the way I would like to like my thoughts have not even begun began to form on this. Right? Yeah. But it was very impactful the conversation. And it just made me think, you know about how bad ego stroking is. He even quoted like the Prophet Muhammad, like I forgot the exact quote. So I got I, I will I will tell you, I'll tell you offline. But the quote was I forgot the <laughs> was it something that you came I, up with? I I only remember my exact quotes. I only remember my exact quotes, which I have a few. You can reference them at donishmakpool.com. But the Prophet Muhammad's <laughs> His one, <laughs> they're in my senior yearbook. <laughs> he said something like, "Don't compliment the next man unless you have to," or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something, some along those lines. Yeah. Praise is maybe, necessary. Maybe have to or need to, unless it's necessary. It was something in that framing, you know. And I thought that was so interesting compared to how some people operate you know yeah and then the other thing that my other boy said he was like yeah because you know when you're complimenting somebody you know especially in a group you're putting somebody else down and you don't even think about that yeah you know yeah Yeah, that's why it's always fun to compliment people in groups because you know you're putting the other people down (laughs) and so this thing that comedians do when you're in a group afterwards and somebody comes up to one person says yo good set you know we're not acknowledging that you're saying yo you're better than everybody else here in my opinion right but then and and then but then we get back to we get back to the whole thing yeah, yeah, the subjective shit again. Like, no, no, I'm saying, yeah, in my opinion, it ends up right. with no, it's just like, they're, like, are you, is there a such a thing as winning an argument? Is there such a thing as a, a comedian that's better than another comedian? No, yeah, I, I agree metrics, with, I agree know? with you on that. That's fuck metrics or anything like that. But I'm saying that's just like, I actually call them fuck metrics. <laughs> but, I'm just saying, like, you know, people do with just a little comment like that. You see people are always constantly putting each other down yeah. when they're giving others compliments. It's like a secret way of the human interaction, you know? Um, the ro- that's one thing the robots can't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the third thing. The third thing. Yeah. Comedy writing, fraud, and passive aggressiveness. Yeah, can you put someone else down by giving someone else a compliment? <laughs> Does not compute. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you <laughs> fuck someone else's day up by just telling their significant other you look good? Because that means that they don't look good. <laughs> it requires a lot of complicated human brain mechanisms <laughs> to do that kind of shit. Boston Dynamics can't do that. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that that I thought I thought that shit was like <laughs> they can't they can they can shoot you, but they can't give you trauma with words. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting, man. Uh, like that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Yo, that's the sketch. Yeah. <laughs> you create robots that can traumatize you with their words. Shit is funny, bro. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> Shit is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Or maybe it's not. I, I mean, it's like it's like late at night and we're recording this on a whim. Um, no, I think it is funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't know. I have that tendency. Let's uh, I have that tendency to deflate things that I say. Um. Yeah, I mean, and I don't bro, know if that's like a, I don't know if that's like a, uh, first generation thing. It is, I mean? bro. It is. It's a, it's a first generation thing. It's a lack of self confidence. You know, it's the reason why we laugh when it's like, yo, I came up with this quote. Yo, white motherfuckers would have never laughed in that situation. Would <laughs> be like, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they would have never. They wouldn't even have thought about laughing in that situation, <laughs> right? Oh, so, you came up with that? Whoa! Yeah. So, you know, we live with that, but I think that kind of adds to who we are, and we have to constantly kind of, as white people who do that, probably have to constantly check, like, yo, am I being original enough or this and that? You know, the people who are really on their shit, I'm sure they're checking all the time, like, yo, this is the thing I have to check for. And then we have to check for, yo, am I being too hard on myself? You know, not if I'm being like. I've never worried if I was ever being original or not. That's never been a good set. Like, yeah. I've never even had to think like that. Yeah, we've never had to think like that. We're just like worried about, yo, am I just being too hard on myself? Which is not even. Can I live? We don't even, Shit. Get, we don't <laughs> even worry about it, but that's what we should be worrying about. You hey know. inner cell can i live what's going on yeah yeah and, <laughs> give and me a break dog white people are better at not being too hard on themselves just because like i think how things transpired in history yeah you know they don't really have to be too hard on themselves like and then they're able to live more freely you know and then you're able to execute a lot better when you're able to do that so there's like a thinking advantage there if you allow it to be you know yeah like one time man we were in a, a a theater and there was nobody it was the mindy kaling movie that came out it was like the the late night i think it was called late night and we were in the movie and nobody was in there and it was like five of us it was like five brown people right and we're in there and my boy just starts like rolling a joint you know and this is like a you know, like a professional, like not not a fuck boy, right? <laughs> Up and, until that moment, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and, and rolling a joint, and and we're like, I'm like looking around, nobody's in there, and he's like, bro, a white guy would do it, and then we all just lit it, bro, and we smoked it, and it was, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was fine. You know, it's it, it would... so funny how for that story you specified what movie you were watching. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all, that was absolutely we, unnecessary information. We thought the movie was, well, I think that I was going to add, I thought the movie was great. I don't know if that helped. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Well, it's on Amazon Prime now, so I'm sure it did fine. Yeah, I like the, the movie. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah. this was, it was a, a awesome movie theater experience. Yeah, but I, I don't think I was so hesitant to do it just as a brown kid. So, you know, yeah, I mean, there's we don't have that. We don't we don't tiptoe the line. We kowtow. We don't tiptoe. We kowtow. You know, that's the problem. And, uh, you know, I talked to like Samir about this a lot. And, you know, Osama and all this like like what is that impulse to cowtown and why do we all have it yeah because that's irreconcilable with that dangerous ego that is coupled with that feeling and it's like how do those two states of mind states of mind uh, coexist in so many people and hmm they're like it doesn't make sense man yeah i mean i guess it's a complexity that we do live with but there's it's the complexity i would take over like the complexities that other communities have to deal with. I think it's one that's like, you know, because also we've dealt with it for so long. So we've been kind of knowing how to navigate it. Um, it doesn't make sense for our people as a whole, but as an individual, I feel like I'm able to kind of figure out my role and just how to do what I got to do. And I'm still kind of learning how I want to incorporate culture fully and everything, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think overall, we just have like, especially as, as Americans, we have cookie cutter problems culturally compared to other cultures, yeah. you know, it, it, which is nice. It's like, it, it is really nice. It got a little rough there for a while after September 11th, but you know, I think things have navigated back to like kind of safety for us. So, you know, I worry a little bit. I mean, safety, about, yeah. But yeah, I worry a little bit about, about uh, being a victim of a hate crime or your no, family yeah, I, being a victim of a hate crime. Yeah, I worry, I worry. Yeah, I worry a little bit about that stuff for sure. And, you know, I think eventually, yeah, we have a hijabi in the house. And so, I think, you know, she's going to end up having to deal with something at some point, you know, for sure. But, uh, you know, it gives us an edge as a people. But but when we seek, like, seek safety, part of the implicit bargain of seeking safety is the uh gradual sacrifice of the self-identity you know of the the creative unique ambition of the putting yourself out there 
even. It's the suppression of the internal and external voice. Well, what we have right now, love, is this is the race of the vaccine versus the new strains, right? So right now, you know, as a Wait, are you creating a metaphor or are you just talking about really what's happening? No, no, but yeah, a, a metaphor. But that's, um, I'll tell, you know, the people know what's going on. Right now we're rolling out vaccines, trying to get them ahead of the new strains, right? And right now we are trying to spread as many brown people in populations in America, you know, before uh, we all dilute our whole culture, you know? So that's what's going on. We're fucking ra- rap- rapidly expanding here in America. We try to make a mark and, you know, hopefully we get there before our, uh, our culture is diluted. You know, it's a race. We'll see who wins, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be us, the vaccine? Or is it gonna be the other strains, you know? Or yeah, so we'll <laughs> see, bro. <laughs> this is the this is the metaphor we gotta end on. This, no. Come on, this works. Such a bad metaphor. It works. <laughs> it doesn't. It works. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so stupid. <laughs> it's the worst metaphor ever. Okay. It's so stupid. Donish McBrule, everyone. Yo. <laughs> Uh, DMAC1 at DMAC1 on social media. What else? What else? What else? Like, what do you want them to know about you? Uh, what do you want my two cousins to know about you? Well, one's already uh, calling you. I, I have a podcast called the DMAC Hour, which I did the first season of last year, and we are uh ramping up to do uh the second season soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's know. gonna be a whole different format. And everything and vibe and whole yeah. Yeah, so hold on. Uh sorry, I got a I got a call from my boy. Um yeah, it's about to be a whole different vibe. It's gonna be really dope. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. DMAC hour and then DMAC one on all all shit. And Clubhouse. Come see oh, me yeah, on Clubhouse. Yeah. Donish McCool on Clubhouse. Follow yeah. me. We, we got some dope shit going. I got a roast room on there. Shit is wild. Yeah, so Donish has really been taking to it on the clubhouse. Yeah. So he's been pushing. Yeah. It. MC and, Hammer uh, followed me yesterday on Clubhouse. Hilarious. Oh, for real, dude? Yeah. yeah, yeah Hammer's yeah. in like grad school right now, right? In sort of yeah, he's something. like he's like really sharp. He's yeah. like a, uh, some stem. Something. Even, even when he speaks, you're like, oh, this guy, uh, I don't know if he knows what he's talking about, but he sounds like he does. So, you know. No, like for real. I think he's in like some like uh, yeah, he's, program for some STEM something. He seems like a really smart guy. Uh, for sure. That's fucking dope, man. Yeah, so follow Donish. Uh, yo, what a very obscure conversation we had. This is going to be really weird to listen to again when editing, but I think it'll be good. Yeah, it would be cool. Let's see how your audience reacts. Let me know. I'm interested as well. <laughs> I mean, shit, they'll call you before they call yeah. me. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody I'll be calls me. To see if that one guy reaches out again. <laughs> they don't reach out to me. Hey, one guy, you could reach out to me, man. Tell me to keep going. <laughs> no, no, that's too much to ask. All right, yo, thank you for giving me your time today. Yeah, for sure, uh, bro. Hit me up whenever, dog. Okay, bro.